It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello again. Thank you so much for tuning into Counterculture. We so appreciate every person who says, I've got 26 minutes that I want to spend and I'm going to tune into your show. So I I highly value that. Thank you again for being a part of this community here in Phoenix and even really around the country who are listening to this this podcast and this radio show. It really encourages my heart. Uh, stories travel and uh, good story. And I want to highlight uh, the great stories of people who are building up we're going counterculture, the way of Jesus, and they're, they're building up culture. They are lifting up compassion, and they're making us more peaceful people and not just um, creating division and, and strife and being selfish. And so I, I'm, I'm encouraged that I get to interview and talk and, and meet people around our city and around the nation who are really doing exactly that. And so here I have in studio Kim Vihan. Thank you for joining us. Had to get that right. I overemphasize her name. Hi, Kim. <laughs> Hi, Jonathan. It's nice to be here. It's good to have you, Kim. Uh, Kim is just an amazing person. Uh, she's the founder and CEO of Foster Arizona and the Foster Arizona Housing Project, a pro- uh, charity's focus on educating, encouraging, and empowering Arizonans to positively impact the lives of kids in foster care and those transitioning out of foster care. She's just a passionate person who's um, – uh, okay, wait. How many kids do you have? I have seven. And believe it or not, there was a time that I actually had seven that were six and under. Oh, my gosh. Do you have a 15-passenger van? Close. We have a 12. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so so I, I, I'm at my max capacity as a dad with two. And you're like at seven. So the skill set – we're just not even the same skill set. She's way out of my league. Uh, but no, she's seven children and, you know, and has a great husband. Obviously you have to have the great husband to make all that happen. Fantastic. What his name, Brian, shout out to Brian. I don't know the guy. I've never met him, but shout out to big props to, to, uh, dad, Brian. Appreciate it, man. Okay. So we're, I can't wait to talk about what your work and what you've been doing with foster Arizona. Uh, but before we get into that, we like our, our listeners to hear not just about what you do, but a little about who you are. We play this game called Fake News. So it's basically kind of like two truths and a lie. And I have amazing predictive powers, the ability okay. to look deep within the soul and right. discern truth. I can look at anything in media or in a person and know what is true or not. And if you believe me, you believe a lot of fake news. So, so, no, I, I'm actually not that great at it. I'm basically a coin toss, but we like to play this game. So two things about yourself, and I'll try to guess which one's fake. Okay. So the first one, I jumped out of the first plane I was ever on. Wait a minute. Okay. That's a, that's a bold. Okay. Jumped out of the first plane she's ever, she's ever was on. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next. My family and I were on stage of The Tonight Show. Um. So realist I mean the first one seems so impossible. Like I just have a hard time even believing it, but the other one seems probable. Mm. But there's like you because that doesn't necessarily mean the show was on that but you were actually in but you could have been up and walked around the stage afterwards maybe you knew some of the guests or something like that. So I'm going to say the first one is fake news. You would be incorrect. I knew it. 
I knew I'm incorrect. Incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) Incorrect. So really, you actually were... Yes, I skydove out of the very first plane that I was ever on. And with The Tonight Show, it was a little bit tricky because I wasn't on the stage. But when The Tonight Show came to Phoenix, my family was drawn to have tickets. So we were in the audience, but we weren't technically on the oh, stage. Oh, Stacey, that's a big uh, – I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a little <laughs> yellow flag on this episode just to know. We're going to send it back to like our jury and commission to set, see test counts. it out. Because I'm going to appeal <laughs> – I'm going to appeal my vote based on some possibly inaccurate information. I'm just saying I wasn't on stage. So, and technically, we were like in the back, so we didn't even make camera. Ugh, but we stage, were in the room. That counts. In the, oh, stage in the room. Same thing. <laughs> but you, wait, how, just tell me quick story. How did that happen with the first plane? So you'd never flown before? I had never flown before. And I thought, you know, it'd be a really great idea to jump out of the first plane. And honestly, I would say I've done it once. I don't think I would ever do it again. But hey, it's a nice story right on this side yeah. of it. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. <laughs> I, I chickened out on my, my skydiving opportunity. But granted, this was in Siberia and it was a couple military oh, guys. Yes. And I had the everything I known about old Russian military equipment wasn't like I want to put my life and faith and trust in old Russian military equipment. That could have been fifty year old parachute or something. So yeah, I was like, I, I don't that's not that. I, I'm willing to risk my life for big things, but that wasn't one of them. It's not one of them. It is it's okay, Johnny. It is it is safe. And I got no that's not safe. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um well, that's that's fascinating. New new information for me, and I'm sure our audience. So, so Foster, Arizona. Uh, why why would you start Foster, Arizona? You know, it's kind of a crazy journey. I was actually working in local churches at the time, and I was a foster parent. And we had found out. By that the way, you sing, don't you? I do. I'm a worship leader, oh. and I do uh, video work in the churches. And um, since starting Foster, Arizona, I do contract work in the churches instead of on staff. Uh-huh. But at that time, I was on staff in the church, and we had gotten word that two of the kids we were fostering were going to have their rights severed. And I remember telling my husband, so I just. That means they're, say, just quickly, not everyone yes. knows that term, foster yes. right severed. What does that so mean? So, usually when a child comes into foster care, their very first thing that they're trying to do is reunify with their family. Okay. And then when they get to a point where that reunification effort doesn't happen, then they start looking at severing the parental rights. Yes. And then at that point is when a child becomes adoptable. And so. That's where our kids were at. They were at that yeah. point where we knew that they were going to be adoptable and more than likely we're going to be adopting. And I had the conversation with my husband. I said, what are we going to do? And he said, listen, like a minivan is as big as we go. Right, right. So you're not going to yeah. take any more kids in. But I couldn't walk away from it because Arizona was in such a state of crisis. And so I started thinking, what do I have to bring to the table? Right. And like I was talking about, I was involved in churches. I worked on staff and I did a lot of storylining and video work inside as part of my job. So I started making phone calls. The first one with my husband, I said, I have an idea. I'm going to start telling stories. And then I started reaching out to my connections of those who worked in video with me. And that's where Foster Arizona came from. It wasn't really a desire to start a nonprofit. It was a desire to continue to do something because it felt so helpless knowing that I could only take so many kids in. Right. And I started thinking, what if I could get more people in Arizona to take kids in and use that influence and the skills that I have and the friends that I have? And that was the start of Foster Arizona. So this wasn't like I need we need another nonprofit. It's like there's a there's just a need there. And you're you're like God had touched your heart right heavily. Like and you just can't do nothing. And so Yeah and I look at every single thing that we have 
right. come from that moment because we started telling stories of adoptable kids. And I had seen the stories on the news and I said, I'm tired of them being a news story. I want them to be yeah. kids. I want to feature them in a place that makes them shine and you see exactly them as yeah. kids, not in foster care. So we started telling meet the kids stories. And then I started saying, OK, right now there's like a barrier between people in foster care. How do I start telling real stories that make it seem more tangible right. and actually allow people to connect to what foster care really means. And I remember um, the church I was at was Sun Valley Community Church. I was on staff with them at the time. And one week they were talking foster care, and the next week they were talking about Orchard Africa, which is an amazing nonprofit that takes place in Africa. Uh And I was really discontent. Because I heard them talk about Africa, and it was hands-on stories. Right. And they kicked the ball down the field with these kids. But when they talked about foster care, it was all stats. Yeah. And there was no real-life connection. Yes, yeah. And so the next thing that we stepped into was Kid Connection events because I wanted there to be a mission-type opportunity for families to be able to come and interact with the kids and start instead of saying, oh, this is a foster kid, then to say, this is Johnny. Yes, yep. And to make that connection of real life, and these are not kids that are foster kids. They are kids who happen to be in foster care. Yes. And you you totally disarm just that it's just some issue out there, over there. But it's actually, these are kids in our neighborhood, in our city. Our kids are going to school with these kids. Like, we're all together in this community. It's not them and us. It's us together. Mm -hmm. It's that collective. And and this. The state in in all its still work that it's trying to do is to trying to figure that if they have to sever the rights of a child, that means it's such a bad situation that you can imagine how bad it would have to be in order for a child, a parent having to no longer be able to see their child. And so that is such a bad situation without even giving specifics that the situation itself is that you like if that's the case, then we can't blame the parent. I mean, we can't just blame the kid for any of that. It's like they're put in this situation and they're here and what are we going to do about it? Yeah, and I would push and say we can't blame the parents either. Uh We have to understand that trauma and abuse and all of that is cyclical. And it goes from generation to generation. And I like to tell our board and I like to tell our volunteers that are involved with us that, you know, we love to love kids in foster care. And then they age out, which we also work with that aged out population. And then it becomes a lot less cute. Yeah, and all right. of a sudden, yes. they start acting out on the same trauma that they've experienced from being kids. Right. And then we switch to a place of judgment where right. we stop loving them and we stop accepting them when we stop trying to bring them hope. Right. And so I think that that's the big thing, too, in the community that I really hope that we continue, especially as a church right. community, mm-hmm. is to find that space of empathy and connection and love on the parents as well as the kids. That's a huge point to make, too, because many times people do focus almost on, on children, un- understandably. Yes. But it really is – the children is a point in time of perhaps generations yes. of trauma, tragedy, and cycles that don't that, – that just keep continuing. And so if – like whether you, – if you – we have sometimes even our DNA, like bad stuff from our parents – Mm-hmm. That gets carried on, and we might be have a disposition to certain things, and we do certain things, and so if if this is in us, it's in all it's in everybody, and so there. If you've had horrible, horrible things happen to you, what makes you think everything just changes once the second you have a child? 
Absolutely. And I think one of the things that was super powerful last night, we have our young adults. Again, we have young adults that are aging out of foster care that we also have a program for. We've got 22 beds and we do life skill classes with them every other Sunday. And so last night, one of my dear friends, Anika, was coming and teaching them about access. And she said something that was just profound. And she talked about having a leaky heart Uh and how that's acceptable that we get care. But sometimes our brain is the same thing, just as our heart is an organ, our brain is an organ. And we fail to understand that it needs care too. Yes. And so when we talk about that generational impact of even mental health, it's understanding that that's a part of their DNA and helping them be able to function through it and get the supports they need. That's a great observation too, because we also understand hereditary based on our heart, like our, or our our biological areas of other parts of our body, but the same cases with our, with our brains and we carry on legacies and dispositions. And so it's really important that we also just don't demonize the parents. Absolutely. We, all, we just, it simply is a tragedy of, of, uh, that has, to, but what are we going to do about it? And I love the fact that you've stepped into that. So you're, so you're, you come from the church community and you're, yes. you're, you're a believer. So for, I want to talk about one, your, why your faith and uh, how that empowers you to do what you do. And then what are you doing beyond that in the larger community? So let's start with your own like journey in faith. Absolutely. And I will tell you, like Foster Arizona, we had the conversation about whether or not we made it a religious entity. And we decided no, because we wanted it to be accessible to everyone. Yes. Yep. But I will tell you, my faith is the driving factor of what we do and how we do it. Yes. Because I know that God's number one commands in my life is that first, I would love him. The second thing is that I would love others. Yep. And so we're constantly looking at how do we meet people in that space with love? How do we find their needs? Because that's what we're called to do is yeah. to be light and salt and love in this community. Mm -hmm. And that means stepping into the darkness of someone else and saying, how do I throw you a lifeline? Yes. And so everything that we do is very centered on that very space of my belief in God and the desire to follow after him. Awesome. And I think the coolest thing is I've seen him show up in incredible ways. Every single time we've had a need, God has shown up and stepped into it. Mm -hmm. And that has just built my faith. And I will tell you, like, even outside of the church, working in this population has actually strengthened my faith in so many ways. Wow. Wow. Because it's that practical hands on. And it's opened my eyes to see the world in a completely different way than I did when I was sheltered in the bubble of the church. We're having a fantastic conversation with Kimberly Vihan with Foster, Arizona. Um, if you're just tuning in, this is Faith Talk. On, you're on Faith 1360. I'm Jonathan Sanborn here on Counterculture. Uh, I am loving this. So now that you're, you were just talking about how your faith pushes you out, and this is a reflection of who you are as a, as a believer, mm-hmm. but also that you're appealing to the broader community. And so what are ways that you work with uh, people outside of the faith community? You know, most of the stuff that we do is a lot with people outside of the faith community. And the thing I love is we have so many partners in the church that come and they volunteer. Like, I'll give you an example. We just had an event on Saturday. It was our first ever foster cooperative parent training event because we know that's a huge gap for people to get resourced. Mm -hmm. And it was in partnership with Cornerstone Church in Chandler. They allowed us to use their facilities. They had their tech people come. And at the same time, all of our volunteers were not faith-based specific people. It was all people that want to engage in foster Arizona. And it was such an incredible day. I had a mom come up to me in tears and she said, I needed this so badly. And just Mm. knowing that you had childcare and I knew I could trust Mm. the people caring Mm -hmm. for my kids while I was getting challenged and encouraged by the trainers, she just was in tears. It meant so much. And I think that's just one example of what we're looking at. How do we as a faith-based 
uh, person not leave our borders with working just with faith-based people? How do we expand and say, everyone, if you want to make an impact, I will empower you to do that? Yes, yeah. That's a fantastic uh, point because if we get too isolated, uh, mm-hmm. uh, we can we can miss out on what God's doing in other people's lives, and it might be part of their faith journey before they wherever they are, right? That they see things and learn things as a result in that journey. And again, oh, well, that's a, really encouraging to hear. So, what's the gaps that you're seeing? Because I mean, we've had COVID, uh, and that's obviously shaken up the whole system in many ways, shaken up our whole society, really. But um, so what are some gaps that you've been seeing? You know, the barri- the two main gaps that we're working on right now is, one, homelessness. We just moved into homeless youth last week into yes. our program. And so we're working on expanding our building, but also creating a partnership. I'm super grateful for a partnership we have with Valley of the Sun. So homeless y- youth, like like. What are we talking about there? And so a large percentage of youth who come out of foster care, they age out of foster care. We have one in four that end up homeless. And that means they're sleeping on the street. So I was talking to one young man who moved into our program about a month ago. And he talked about because of some of the issues he had receiving his subsidy, he lost his apartment, found himself on the street, and he slept behind um, the sidewalk in the library. And so he came into our program and is now has stability. And we're working on getting him uh, finished with his high school diploma Mm -hmm. and then working on his next steps, which doesn't doesn't happen when you're homeless you are lost in the lack of hope yes most of us when we think of homeless we think of that person stand when we drive off the freeway we see that one person who looks like they've been doing this for 20 years begging something and we miss the majority of homeless who are hidden away they're Absolutely. off they're off they're not the high this i hate to say high profile but that's the the stereotype um, it's it's really the, the the there's families sleeping in cars. There's yes. youth sleeping in the li- outside behind in the library. And they're sleeping in the bus. In the bus, yeah. They're saying, "How long can I be on this light rail? Or how yeah. long can I be on this? How far does this bus go so I can sleep? Yeah, and know I'm safe. Yeah. We had a young adult come into our program who was using drugs in the park. Yeah. And it's because they were terrified to fall asleep. Yeah. And what would happen to them? Yeah. Wow. You know, I think that's the reality is sometimes it's easy for us when we don't experience the life-on-life contact to lose the humanness right. yes. of homelessness. Well, almost everything you said answers this question, but I think just really more – if you wanted to just go a little deeper, what is it you want the community to know? You know, I think the thing I want the community to understand the most is hope is not missing. Mm-hmm. We're just sometimes failing to shine the light in the spaces that need it most. Mm. All the resources that we need in this community exist. It's all that exists. Okay. All of it's here. It's just a matter of us all choosing to connect yeah. to the need. Yeah. And when we all choose to say this isn't someone's problem, it's not yeah. that person sleeping behind the library's problem. Yeah. It's us as a community. Then the empowering space of it changes. Yeah. Because then we're not sitting here looking at somebody else or feeling hopeless over here or helpless like we can't do anything. It's all of us choosing what can you do. And like for my story, I didn't know what I could do other right. than I knew how to make videos. Yeah. And that journey has turned into this crazy space where we yeah. have hundreds of people who help us every year mm-hmm. be able to make an impact yeah. In other people's lives. So I really want the community to understand yeah. that there is hope and yeah. it's all of us coming together for that. Mm. And the other thing I really want them to understand is disconnection is a virus yeah. for us. You know, we did this training we talked about this weekend and almost uh, more than I should say 50 percent said that they did not feel connected to the community. Mm. 
that has to change. We have to bind together because there's power so when we're together. Who are the 50% who don't get, who are those again? That was, we had foster and adoptive parents okay. who felt disconnected. Oh, and okay. foster and adoptive parents, it is such a hard job. Yes, yes. You can't be disconnected right. from community. Yeah. And so, again, the other thing when you're talking about the second thing that we're really wishing, uh, wishing that we could have in place now and we're pushing hard forward is this idea of our foster cooperative that creates a space for community and collaboration and access to resources to take place because we understand that when you empower people with knowledge and mm-hmm. it has to be and yeah. you empower them with connections, mm-hmm. you change their lives. Yeah. So I hear hope as a big theme. There is, there is knowledge and growth that you can help people with, but then you say connections. Yes. I think the disconnections that so many people feel is so important. Um, I was fortunate to spend the last week uh, with about 1,000 leaders in foster care from around the nation. And the, some of the themes, this is, this is you're, you're connected with, you're really, you're sharing the same heart that is happening really around our country. Mm-hmm. And it starts first with this sense of hope yes. that God is, there is enough homes there's enough money. There is enough in God's economy to take care of all of this. Absolutely. There really is. Absolutely. We just have to believe that and have not the scarcity mentality like there's just running around desperate, but really knowing, having that confidence that God wants to, wants a, a home for these kids, wants us to open up our, our hearts. And, and there, isn't, there actually isn't even enough love in our hearts for, for more. There really is. We often think it's a it's a point system. There's only a little bit we have to give, and our words are spent. But if God opens up, uh, brings someone in our lives, there's more love in our heart from if it comes from Him. You know, and when I look at, it, I just want to add one thing to that as well. You know, the number one thing we hear in the Bible is fear not. Fear not. And I constantly say that to me, myself: fear not, for I am with I'm you. With you, yeah. Never will I leave or forsake you. And yeah. if we as believers truly believe that then we have to start jumping off more ledges. Yeah, yeah. We have to start believing that that unknown that we're stepping into is okay because God's going to be with us. Yes. And I think that that's part of the problem is we allow fear to keep uh, us <laughs> from going the way God wants us to go. So if you want to follow God, it will always be in discomfort. Oh, always. Absolutely. And but that the but the with overpowers the the discomfort, overcomes the fear. And, you know, the thing I think that overcomes the fear most is mm-hmm. when you take that step and then you see God show up. Yes. And you go, holy crap, when he says that he really yeah. will show up. Yeah. And then it empowers you to go, all right, I'm going to yeah. take a bigger leap. Right. You know, and I mean, for me, it empowered me to step away from all my knowns and step away from right. my job and security financially. Yeah. And like say, I'm all in God for you. Yep. And I watched him show up. And yeah. I think that's a really empowering space as a believer. Right. When you see God show up. Totally. That's the best place to be because yes. you want to say you want to say, oh, I can't prove God is real. Well, right. <laughs> when you step out in faith and you, you in a place where the only way it could ever succeed is if God shows up That's and right. he does. Yes. That is the, the most exciting place to be. It's scary. It is. Totally. He doesn't. It's not like, oh, fear is some kind of myth. Like it's some kind of like, re, a, you know, like it's. It has no basis for nothing. I mean, it's just, but it, it is scary. It's a reality. But God is greater than that. Well, and let's be real. Yeah. God rarely shows up right away. Yeah, he waits know, until we're yeah. absolutely terrified <laughs> and going, are you going to show up? Yep. Been there. Yep. <laughs> That's right. Get this. The theme of the conference was with. And you were, you were, I mean, the heart, it's like, I'm, this is amazing. I'm just, because I'm hearing the same things and I'm just so encouraged 
but this is going on. So how can people get involved with Foster Arizona? Just if like if someone's just tuning in, they're just hearing about this, what would be a great way to connect and how to get involved? So if you have breath in your lungs, there's a way for you to get involved. If it comes down to you, I can resource and financially support. We have right. so much need that's going on from building our building. We're right now in the process of raising funds to expand our housing. Um, we have an event coming up for young women. It's our Young Women's Empowerment event that actually came because we watched um, the lack of self-esteem yeah. and the relationship, um, just the unhealthy relationship that our young women who are in our housing yeah. side were in. And so we start saying, how do we empower eight to 10 year olds and change the message? So on October 24th at, out at Tempe Marketplace, we have a Young Women's Empowerment event and I need 75 women hello, and 20 okay. hairstylists to come out and make this day amazing for young women. How- how can our, our listeners find out about that event? Where can they go? Website? You have a like? What's the best way? Yes, and we are just coming off a huge event on Saturday, so this week we'll be putting that event along with other events that we have coming up this year yeah. to finish out the year on our website. So we will be getting that on our website for you to check out. If you go under fosterarizona.org, check out our event tab. And I'll tell you, like, even if you're wanting to financially go, I want to support something. Yeah. We have joy boxes that are coming out, and we serve uh, 300 joy boxes out. We usually hit about 500 kids with those boxes during Christmas time. Um, young adults um, in our program, we do Christmas for them. So we're taking them on trolley and oh, light. Like there's amazing. so many things. Or if you're just saying, so, I could come in during the week. If you're local, come see us and we'll put you to work. You have, there's something for you to do. Get involved. FosterArizona.org. Thank Kim. This has been a great conversation. So inspiring. Thank, Thank you, you so for much, coming Jonathan. on my show. I really appreciate it. God bless you and your ministry. And props to Brian. <laughs> Okay. Thank you. God bless. Thank you you as well. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. This program was sponsored by Care Portal.